The year was uh, 1994. It was my third fall uh, living in northwestern Ontario. While I had previously got my hunting license while serving in a church just north of Toronto, uh, taking the hunter education course as a way to bond with a handful of rural uh, high school students in my youth group, uh, I had never used the license. When a friend of mine in Thunder Bay found out that I had a hunting license, he was determined to turn me into a real hunter. It was, and it was go big or go home, because my first attempt at hunting would be for moose. Uh, between us, we had a cow and a calf tag. Ken got word that a friend of his had just taken a calf at sunset and that the cow was hanging around. Yeah, that might pull on the heartstrings of a, a few of you, that cows do hang around for a good while when a calf is taken. So early the next morning, we, we headed out to see if we could get that cow. We, we took the Doyle family van, a, a Chrysler minivan. They were, they were the thing for families back in the day. When I look at Lucas's van, I get real nostalgic. My wife, Jane, was not excited that the family van was going to head onto these logging roads, if they can even be called roads. Her parting words were to me, hey, remember, it's the family van. It was a rough drive getting close to the spot where the calf uh, had been taken the night before, but when we reached a, a point where I knew, if, well, yeah, the best way to put it is we got to a spot, and I just knew that if I valued my marriage, I better not take the van any further. Even in a 4x4, four four, man, this would be kind of on the rough side. My friend Ken was so disappointed, but then he said, well, I got an idea. Let, let's go the other way. I know a, another way that might get as close to where that cow could be. So we turned away and uh, turned around, and really the next way wasn't much better, but we kept going. And as we drove, we, we came across what looked like a fresh cow and calf tracks. I parked the van, and we began to follow the tracks. It was really not all that far before we could see the cow and the calf stop for a bite to eat. This is my first day hunting ever. The adrenaline is pumping. Ken takes the calf. I take the cow. The cow drops on the spot. Incredible. I'm full of emotion. And as a good Christian Missionary Alliance pastor in the 90s would say, I let out a very loud, holy toot. Although I confess that I've become a little less careful with language since moving to Fort McMurray. Sorry about that. But the emotion I felt was huge, overwhelming. I would at the time, describe it as full of joy. At least I thought it was joy. We took those two moose at 8.30 in the morning, and it took us until 4 in the afternoon to uh, pack them both out in, in, in more than quarters because we were too wimpy to carry a full quarter and load them into the family van. But anyways, oh yeah. Neither Jane nor I had anticipated what two moose in the back of a van would do the, do the air quality in the van. That took a few weeks. But the good news was, Jane agreed that I could purchase a truck. And in the spring of 95, I got a Ford Ranger, and I have been a truck owner ever since. What do you think of when you think of the word joy? I, I know for me, the first thought that comes to mind is that moment when I took my first big game animal, my first moose. I, I mean, I, I think most of us know joy as an emotion. It's a feel-good emotion. We, 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 we love joy as an emotion, but the truth is joy is far more than just an emotion. Let me ask you this question. What's the difference between happiness and joy? Sometimes we use these words interchangeably, but really they are different. And it really helps to understand the difference. 
Happiness has to do with circumstances. Happiness depends on what happens to you. Happiness is when you have a certain experience, but then it leaves. So when you think about my experience of taking my first moves, that's, that's really more happiness than it is real joy. I mean, the emotions were certainly very intense. The exhilaration of it was absolutely amazing. Now, I realize that most of you are not into big game hunting, so it might be hard for you to grasp how intense taking your first big, big game animal is. But I do know many of you here right now get it. And for me, the euphoria of taking that first moose lasted for a good while. But yeah, it, it, it did eventually, you know, wear off. Joy, on the other hand, is actually a choice you make no matter what is happening around you. You choose joy when you, you've been out on the field looking for that big buck, but you come home at the end of the week empty-handed. Joy is the choice to enjoy the whole experience and the beauty of the great outdoors. Happiness tends to be external. Happiness uh, comes and goes, and it's dependent on circumstances. It, it's good while you got it. Joy, on the other hand, tends to be internal. It wells up from within you. Joy is long-term. King David wrote, he's speaking about God, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The truth is, come eternity, come heaven. We're, we're going to have joy in God's presence forever and ever and ever. It's going to be unending joy. Well, the last couple of weeks, I've been referencing Rick Warren. Uh, his wife, Kay, is also a bit of an occasional influence on my speaking. She wrote a book called Choose Joy. I recommend it. And she gives this definition of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. I think that's one great definition of joy. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, choose joy. You can choose joy even in tough circumstances. And when you choose joy in tough circumstances, it grows your faith. Your, your faith gets stronger. Joy is, is just really a powerful part of our Christian faith. But you know and I know that there are things that rob us of joy. And, and what I want to do is, is look at two of the most common things that I think steal our joy and use the Christmas story to see uh, how we can restore joy in these situations. So I think that the number one thing that steals joy from our lives, and it's something that's become so much more visible, so much... Uh, yeah, at least talked about a whole lot more since the pandemic, is anxiety. Anxiety is a chief destroyer of joy. I'm talking about when you get stressed out, you know, when you're tense, when you're, when you're afraid of something or worried. When you get stressed out with worries and fears, that steals your joy. You, you can't be joyful and, and stressed out at the same time. You, you can't be joyful and, and fearful at the same time. Uh, let's look at a stressful uh, situation Mary, the mother of Jesus, found herself in as she found out that she was pregnant with Jesus, God's son. The story can be found in Luke's uh, gospel, the first chapter there. And, uh, and, and Luke's just, you know, that story of 
Anyways, Luke 1, and when you read the Christmas story, what I think we tend to do is we tend to miss how stressful this would have been for Mary. This is an incredibly anxiety-producing situation she finds herself in. She's probably a fairly young woman, a teen, perhaps no more than 15 years of age. She's not some mature woman in her 30s. She's not a young lady in her 20s. No, she's a teen. But in the custom of those days, you often got engaged when you were a teen. And she's engaged to be married to this guy, Joseph. Here's what the Apostle Luke writes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Hey, if an angel turned up nowhere uh, in your life and called you a favored one of God, I mean, wouldn't that startle you a bit and leave you feeling a bit confused and disturbed? Listen to what the angel says. Very soon now you will become pregnant and you will have a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he shall reign over Israel forever. His kingdom shall never end. I mean, if you weren't confused and disturbed just at the presence of the angel, being told that very soon you'll be pregnant with God's son, that'll sure do it. I mean, listen to how Mary responds to the angel Gabriel. How will this be, right? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I have never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So, you, you have this young teenage girl engaged to this guy. And now she's being told that she's going to be pregnant even though she hasn't slept with anyone. She's single. She's in a little town. And when this happens, you can just imagine the, gospel, the gossip mill, right? Imagine telling your mom, let alone your fiancé. And most of you know this story. Just two days before she's to give birth, uh, um, or just days, we're not sure how many days, she, she has to get on a donkey for a two- to three-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of a national census. And by the way, some of you complain about the Canadian long-form census, just saying. Mary gets to Bethlehem, and there's no room for her in the inn, and they end up sleeping in a stable with a, with a bunch of animals. And that night, this young girl delivers her own baby in that animal stable without her mom, without any aunts or sisters, no midwife or doctor beside her. Would you not agree that this is a, an incredibly anxiety-producing situation? And what's so interesting to me is that every time an angel turns up in the story, the angel says, do not be afraid. Why? Because anxiety robs your joy. Mary may be young, but she is one incredibly mature young woman with a strong faith in God. She's been raised with faith, and it's powerful as we see her make a choice that brought joy into her life. Friends, you can choose joy when you find yourself in a stressful, confusing, anxiety-producing situation. Joy is a choice. 
And what Mary did was Mary chose to trust God and accept his plan, and and that was the path to joy. Listen to how Mary responds. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant and willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. And then the angel disappeared. So friends, this is the way out of your anxiety. I don't know what you're worried about or have anxiety about. Like, what, what keeps you up at night? What got you nervous? Do you have anxiety about your finances or maybe your health or maybe you're worried about your marriage or your work situation? It, it, it could be a number of different things that are weighing you down. If you would do what Mary did and, and just trust and accept his plan for your life, just, you, you just put everything into God's hands and, and admit to God that this is bigger than you are, you're just going to trust him even if you don't understand it. This is what Mary did. It's what King Solomon tells us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Friends, have you ever said to God, I am the Lord's servant and and I am willing to accept whatever he wants? Because until you really do that, you can't live life with joy. You'll keep living a a fearful life, a, a worried life. At some point, you just got to say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. I I know you love me. I know you're for me. I I I know you will lead me through this. I will trust you. And when you do, the results are joy. This is the way to lasting real joy in your life. Uh, Take a look at what happened to Mary's life. Mary said, my spirit finds joy in God, my Savior. Yes. That joy comes when you choose to trust God and, and trust his leading in your life. Okay, there's, a, there's another major character in the Christmas story, Joseph. And he had to make a choice uh, about another great destroyer of joy, and, and that's resentment over a hurt. Resentment over a hurt is a huge destroyer of joy. You do understand that you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. And all of us, um, at some time, you know, we've been hurt by other people, by another person. You've been wounded. It could be a betrayal in a relationship or someone just walked out on you. Maybe it's from words people have said, some you even remember from childhood. Some of you have been wounded physically. You've been abused physically, sexually. Some of you have been abused emotionally. It, it could be racial offenses, bigotry. I am so sorry for the wounds that you have experienced. This world is a sin-wrecked world and a lot of awful stuff happens. Our rebellion against God causes us to hurt each other, often intentionally and often unintentionally. So I I don't know all the ways that you guys have been hurt, but I'm telling you, regardless of how you've been hurt, you've got to deal with your response. Resentment over hurt will keep joy out of your life. Bitterness, I would say, keeps billions of people from ever experiencing joy. You cannot be resentful and joyful at the same time. Let's look at a situation in the Christmas story. This time we're in Matthew's Gospel, let me read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
Have you ever considered how wounded Joseph must have been when he gets news that his wife-to-be, the woman he loves, they, they'd never had sex, and all of a sudden she comes out and says, Hi, honey, uh, I got some news. I'm pregnant. And even though she said, God did it, yeah, right, Mary, you don't need to stoop so low. I mean, put yourself in, in Joseph's shoes. How betrayed would you feel? Joseph felt betrayed, defeated, hugely disappointed. And there are a few of you here today or watching online, and, and you know exactly how this feels. This is excruciatingly painful stuff. And when you're hit with this kind of pain, this sense of betrayal, you have a choice to make. Even though Joseph doesn't buy Mary's story, I mean, would you? Even so, Joseph makes a life-giving decision. He paves the way to joy. Uh, he made a choice to hold on to joy in the middle of his pain. Hey, as far as Joseph knows, Mary's been unfaithful to him. He has every right to be upset and hurt and angry. But Joseph did not seek to retaliate. He did not seek revenge. He, he did not get bitter. He did not get resentful. What, what, what Joseph did was he chose to offer Mary grace and then let it go. He chose to offer grace and let the pain, the hurt, the wound go. He didn't dig in. He, he, he didn't rub it in. He, he didn't, uh, yeah, he just didn't try to shame her. He just goes, okay, we're going to call off the wedding. We're going to do this as amicably and, and peacefully and respectfully as possible. Friends, we need to be able to do the same. We, we need to offer grace and, and let it go. Let me ask. What has hurt you deeply? What, what person has hurt you more than anyone else? I, I bet for many of you that answer came up quickly. My next question. Are you still hanging on to that hurt? If you are, that's one reason why you're not joyful. You cannot be resentful and joyful at the same time. Friends, resentment's got to be one of the most worthless emotions on planet Earth. It, it does nothing but make you miserable. Resentful. Resentment will never change the past. It'll never change what happened. Bitterness does not make you better. It just makes you worse. Maybe you're here this morning or watching or listening online because God wants to get your attention like right now. And he's saying to you, let it go. Let it go. You're not going to change anything by holding on to the hurt. You say they don't deserve to be forgiven. No, they don't. But neither do you. And God's forgiven you for all kinds of stuff. Nobody deserves forgiveness. You forgive people because you don't want to hang on to the pain anymore. If you don't forgive, you're not hurting them. You're only hurting yourself. You need to let it go, just like Joseph did. You, you show grace and you let the pain go. And in Joseph's case, he made the decision to offer grace and let it go. God turned up and let him know after that, that Mary's wild story was true. Matthew writes, But just when he'd resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice, it was after Joseph decided, it was when he resolved that he was not going to get even. He's not going to retaliate. Instead, he's going to extend grace and just let it go. 
That's when God extends grace to Joseph and backs up Mary's story. And because Joseph didn't get bitter, God blessed him in an incredible way. He, he gives Joseph the privilege of raising the Son of God, his stepson. He is the step, um, yeah, he is the stepfather to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. God blessed him because he didn't get bitter. Now, you have to decide what you want in life. Do you want to be bitter or do you want to be blessed? God gives you that choice. But if you're going to choose joy, then like Mary, you will choose to trust God and follow his plan even in your fear. And, and like Joseph, you will choose to show grace and let it go when people hurt you. This is the path to joy. This, this is how you, you get God's blessing in your life. Let me say something that I repeat over and over and over. Friends, God never calls us to do something all by ourselves. If, if God is calling us to do something, God will empower us to do it. That is part of his gift of the Holy Spirit to us. People say to me all the time, Doug, I don't have the strength to forgive. I, I don't have it in me to let it go. I, I just can't whip up enough trust. I get that. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus in your life. This is why you need to surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You need God's power. And the only way you're going to get God's power is when you get Jesus into your life and you allow his Holy Spirit to fill you and you seek his Holy Spirit to fill you every day. There's an Old Testament leader by the name of uh, Nehemiah. He understood this when he says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. We get true joy from God. Jesus wants to fill your life with joy. And as he fills you with his joy, it will be strength for you. You can have joy instead of bitterness, resentment, anger. That anger management problem that you have can be replaced with God's joy. When you're afraid, the joy of the Lord will be your strength and, and you can replace that fear with joy. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Let's pray for that, that we will choose joy this Christmas and, and that God through his spirit will fill us to overflowing with his joy. Take the words that I pray and just pray them yourself in your own way. Just say this, God, I don't want to live a joyless life. I don't want to just exist. But I confess that I've let fear and anxiety, I've let hurt and other things steal my joy. God, I need your help. I need Jesus. Today, I'm choosing, like Mary, to trust you and accept your plan for my life. And like Joseph, I need you to fill me with your peace so that I can let go of all of the pain, so that I can let go of all of the people who have hurt me. I ask that the joy of the Lord would be my strength. Fill me with your spirit and flood me with your joy. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.